0: you're listening to the south stands a buckeye football podcast by ohio state fans for ohio state fans on apple podcasts youtube spotify and soundcloud welcome back to the south stands everyone from san francisco i'm your host zach moore today is saturday august 22nd i'm here to spend a little time with you today to recap and react to the developments in and around Ohio State football and college football over the last few days. First, (laughs) judging by all the hashtag fire Kevin Warren and boycott the Big Ten Network tweets in my feed, I can see many of you are still inconsolably pissed off. I can see some fans are still circulating the link to the Justin Fields petition that went around last week. I can see there's now a new fire Kevin Warren petition that's making the rounds on Twitter many ohio state fan sites and local sports radio personalities in columbus continue to throw red meat to angry fans and contribute to the vitriol on social media man it sucks to be this upset about anything for this long and i certainly hope all ohio state fans who are having trouble moving on right now can find a little peace at some point soon god bless Look, I've been an Ohio State fan for 40 years. I'm a proud graduate of the Ohio State University. My parents went there. My little sister went there. I grew up in Columbus. I've been rooting for the Buckeyes since 1981. I'm very disappointed too. And look, I I guess you need to do what you need to do to feel better. For me, that's accepting the circumstances and looking to what comes next, which appears to be a winter or a spring season, which to me sounds... Really interesting, really exciting. We know Ryan Day gave us a preview of what that might look like in his press conference last week. Day is promoting the concept of a winter season starting in early January and ending in February. I think that sounds very interesting, very exciting, especially if we can get all five power five conferences to buy into that. Now, I know that's that's a big wish. That's a big if, but we'll see. Since last Saturday, we've had four major universities, North Carolina, NC State, Michigan State, and Notre Dame all very quickly change course from in-person classes to remote learning. And Notre Dame's going to attempt to resume in-person classes in two weeks, but this is not an encouraging sign for ACC football in the fall when three of its member institutions, UNC, NC State, and Notre Dame, all had to move to remote learning within a week of students arriving on campus. Wow. Yesterday, the University of Alabama announced a 14-day ban on student events outside of classroom instruction as kind of a proactive measure to mitigate the spread of the virus. Alabama President Stuart Bell told students he is, quote, deeply disappointed that coronavirus guidelines are not being followed by each and every member of our student body, end quote. Obviously, some major concerns around student behavior at Alabama. We'll see how things play out on these campuses I certainly hope nobody gets seriously ill or worse. And if UNC, NC State, Notre Dame, and Alabama can get their students to cooperate so that they can play football this fall, hey, more power to them. Good luck with that. Earlier this week, we finally heard from Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren. He penned an open letter to the Big Ten community, which offered more insight into the conference's decision to postpone fall sports. You can find that letter, by the way, at big10.org. It's the first thing you'll see on the homepage. Now, to the surprise of absolutely no one, Warren listed the following factors in the Big Ten's decision to postpone fall sports. Number one, high transmission rates in the Big Ten footprint, including concerns over students returning to campus, which could reintroduce the virus to the athletics communities at those universities. Two, uncertainty around the long-term effects of the virus, including preliminary and incomplete data of the condition known as myocarditis. Three, concerns around contact tracing. And lastly, limited access to accurate rapid testing, as well as concerns around the testing supply chain. There was more to the letter as well. Again, I I encourage you to go read it. It's at big10.org. But- These are all more or less the exact same factors the Pac-12 stated in the 12-page PDF it released last week when it announced it would be postponing fall sports. State and local officials who issued shelter-in-place orders months ago mentioned many of these same factors and concerns. So it should really be no great mystery to anyone why the Big Ten made the call that it did. But if you've been living under a rock since early March, this letter would be pretty illuminating, I guess. (laughs) It offers a pretty thorough explanation of how Warren, the university presidents, and the 14 members of the Big 10 Task Force for Emerging Infectious Diseases arrived at their decisions. By the way, if you're unfamiliar with the task force, you can find it on the Big 10 website. There's 14 members, one from each of the Big 10 schools. 13 of them have a DR in front of their name. Okay, so pretty highly qualified Task force that advised Kevin Warren and the university presidents on this decision. Warren also said in the letter that the conference has assembled a return to competition task force. So here we go again another task force consisting of sports medicine and university medical personnel, athletic directors, head coaches, faculty, athletic representatives, and senior women administrators to plan for the return of fall sports as soon as possible. Warren said the task force is currently evaluating a winter-slash-spring model to make up the 2020 fall season. Shortly after his open letter was released, Warren said in an interview with Nicole Arbach on The Athletic, quote, there are things that we can do better, there are things that I can do better, and that I will do better, end quote. I'm certainly not going to make the case that Warren didn't bungle the messaging here. He waited way too late to put this letter out. Honestly, this information should have been made available to the public at the time the announcement to postpone was made last week. So it's about 10 days too late, in my opinion. And the interview Warren did on BTN last week was a disaster. It was indefensible. I'm not even going to try to defend it. I still think he and the university presidents made the right call. And in the end, that was the most important result. Yesterday, Randy Wade, the outspoken father of Ohio State cornerback, Sean Wade, led a demonstration of, I don't know, 25 to 30 player parents outside the empty Big Ten headquarters in Rosemont, Illinois. The group looked to be mostly parents of Ohio State and Iowa players. It was notable that there was little to no representation from the two Big Ten universities in the state of Illinois. That was the University of Illinois and Northwestern. It was also notable to me that there was more media there than parents. Before we address the media, Mr. Wade asked for 17 seconds of silence to acknowledge the 170,000 American lives lost so far during the pandemic, which I was actually very happy to see because I do think some of these parents, including Wade, have looked a little tone deaf to what is happening in this country and around the world right now. During the protest, Wade demanded a Zoom call for the player associations of the 14 member schools with Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren. We'll see if that happens. I have some mixed feelings about the parents. Now, I believe they were entitled to better communication and greater transparency from Kevin Warren. I totally agree with that. And I hope when Warren and the university presidents are faced with making this very same call in three to four months, they'll be more communicative and more transparent with the players and their parents on how they arrived at their decision. And that was one of the goals actually, Wade talked about during the protest yesterday, and if in you know, three or four months from now, the players and parents get the benefit of better communication and more transparency from Kevin Warren, then good for Randy Wade. Now, where I disagree with the parents is that they should have a seat at the table with doctors, infectious disease experts, and university presidents when trying to determine if amateur athletes playing football during a pandemic is a good idea. That's not the role of a player parent in my opinion. That, to me, is where the influence of the parent of an offensive lineman from Iowa ends. Aside from having a major conflict of interest, most parents do not have the credentials to be making a call like that. That's just my opinion. Now, they should certainly have better communication and greater transparency into how that decision is arrived at by the experts. They're entitled to that. But they don't have they don't belong at the table when that decision's being made, in my opinion. Randy Wade also said yesterday that as a parent of a player with NFL aspirations, he wants Kevin Warren to call the NFL and tell them to push the combine and the draft back. Now, I've heard that the NFL might be open to those ideas, but is that a realistic demand to make of a college conference commissioner? I don't know. Wade's also trying to organize a boycott of the Big Ten Network because it wasn't there to cover the protest yesterday. So look, I think Wade and the parents are holding on a little too tight. They were sympathetic figures a week ago, and now they're starting to look a little like entitled helicopter parents. Their sons will have the opportunity to compete again when it's more safe to do it. This isn't the end of football in perpetuity. All of their son's goals, their opportunities are still in front of them. This disruption to normal life is not unique to Big Ten football players and their families. Hell, look, I want to go to the movies. I want to have a normal dining experience at a restaurant with my wife. I'd like to go get a haircut at a barber shop. I want to be able to get on a bus or a subway here in San Francisco, but I can't because many of those lines have been discontinued for safety reasons. I've been doing my job from my dining room table for the last five months That's getting a little old, just ask my wife. My wife's business, which she spent the last 10 years building has taken a major hit because of this pandemic. And you know what? My wife and I, were the lucky ones because it could be so much worse for us. Millions of other Americans have it way worse than we do. Millions of other Americans have it way worse than Big 10 football players and their parents. I think it's important for all of us to remember that. The latest straw that desperate Ohio State fans are grasping at is an interview with a Dr. David Bruce in the Chattanooga Times Free Press by Stephen Hargis. Dr. Bruce specializes in pediatric sports medicine, and as Hargis writes, is, quote, unwavering in his belief that the risks to young people by not allowing them to play far outweighs those attached to the coronavirus, end quote. Now, this piece was geared more toward athletes at the prep level than college, but some Ohio State fans are trying to use it as an argument for playing football this fall. And while I don't want to trivialize even one young person who might be susceptible to depression, substance abuse, or suicide because he or she won't have the structure of an organized sport this fall, I find Dr. Bruce's theory to be utterly absurd and insulting to people's intelligence. For one, I think the vast majority of young people are far more resilient than Dr. Bruce claims. And I don't think he's giving young people enough credit for for their ability to handle disappointment. The other major flaw in his premise is it completely disregards the fact that young athletes, when they leave the playing field, go home to parents and siblings, and in some cases, multi-generational families with people who could be far more at risk to complications from the virus. If there's one thing that should be abundantly clear to all of us by now is that You know, with COVID-19, it isn't just about individual risk. Your choices and behaviors affect everyone else you come in contact with. I said it last week, if you're genuinely concerned about the mental health of Ohio State football players, then stop treating the postponement of fall sports like some great crime against humanity and help them to remember just how much opportunity and good fortune they still have in their lives. This is just a pause in competition. They will have the opportunity to compete again. Yesterday, the NCAA Board of Directors approved a blanket waiver saying that fall sports athletes can keep this year of eligibility no matter if they play this fall, in the spring, or not at all. That was reported by Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic. Buckeye football players are going to be okay. Trust me on that. They're going to be more than okay. Yesterday, former Ohio State linebacker Bobby Carpenter tweeted a link to a piece from Wolverine's Wire by Isaiah Hole. The article quotes the father of current Wolverine defensive end Chris Hutchinson, an ER doctor, who said the evidence around myocarditis is, quote, anecdotal and not mutually exclusive to the novel coronavirus, end quote. The piece also quotes University of Michigan cardiologist Venk Murthy, who said last week, quote, the Big Ten report on COVID relies heavily on a paper which found rampant abnormalities among normal controls and had many statistics that made no sense. Time to retract or correct this paper." End quote. Around the same time that Carpenter tweeted out that story, another article on myocarditis from The Athletic's Chris Vanini dropped into my feed. Vanini's story was about Georgia State freshman quarterback, Mikel Colasurdo, who contracted the coronavirus in July and shortly thereafter developed myocarditis. Colasurdo is otherwise a perfectly healthy 18-year-old who will now have to sit out the entire 2020 season because of myocarditis. Veneti went on to mention Houston defensive lineman Cedric Williams, who also developed myocarditis after contracting coronavirus and announced two weeks ago that he would be opting out this season. The story also mentions at least 10 Big Ten athletes who've developed the same heart condition after recovering from coronavirus. I'm assuming that Indiana freshman offensive lineman Brady Freeney is one of those athletes, though he was not mentioned by Benini in this piece. There's a really good story about Freeney in the Indie Star by Zach Osterman. If you're interested, go check that out. It's a very scary story. Finally, Venini mentioned Florida State basketball player. He's a former for Florida State basketball player, Michael Ojo, who had recovered from COVID-19 but died of a heart attack earlier this month at the age of 27. Now, look, as a fan observing from afar, and again, I'm just a fan. I'm not an expert. I'm having trouble squaring these two articles. One that says myocarditis, no big deal. We've known about it for years. The common cold can cause it. The evidence is anecdotal. The other paints a very different picture of the condition, and it accounts for 13 athletes from around the country, two who will miss the season entirely, one who's dead, and at least 10 others in the Big Ten. These are just the cases we know about. That doesn't sound anecdotal to me. With more research, it might very well be determined that this condition isn't the threat that it appears to be right now, but until then, it makes total sense that the Big Ten is treating myocarditis as a serious threat. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Thanks so much for listening. Again, this is these are just my opinions. I'm no expert. And by the way, my opinions here don't necessarily reflect those of my fellow South Stance contributors, Paige and Tim. Though I'm going to try to wrangle those guys for a group pod in the next week or two. We may wait until the Big Ten releases its plan for the winter slash fall season and spend some time talking about that. So until then, keep your chins up, Buckeye fans, and we'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.